HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This week on Meet and 3, it's all about screens. We're diving into the world of TV, computers, and even VR to figure out how food consumption is shifted by a digital lens. Every course talks about a different topic within the Asian American identity through a very personal lens. And the three courses that are paired with VR, in it you're seeing a brushstroke by brushstroke recreation of the dish that you're about to eat. Most of us in the world live in urban areas. And so how much is the city already accidentally providing its residents? And how much more could it provide if um, we just made it a priority? Tune in to Meet and 3. HRN's weekly food news roundup wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Agave Road Trip is brought to you by Sombra Mescal. Sombra Mescal, where they don't use a horse to pull their tahona. What do they use to pull their tahona? I guess you'll have to stick around till the end of this episode to find out. In the meantime, strap yourself in for another episode of Agave Road Trip. This is Lou Bank. This is Chava Periwan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the ridiculous <laughs> podcast where we attempt to teach gringo bartenders something about agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And today, something about pulque, which is agave. Which is the oldest way in which our ancestors discovered that agave could give beautiful alcohol. Right? Correct. Yeah, so this is literally, the, this is a drink you'll hear about that tends to be, what do you think, like 3% to 8% alcohol by volume? Oof, yeah, it, it varies drastically. Sometimes you're like, I'm going to be okay. I'm just going to drink a glass of pulque. <laughs> and then turns out you got the glass on the heavy side and uh, you're all busy and stuff. So yeah, anywhere between like, even I'll say 2%-ish. Okay. okay. Yeah, so like kind of like beer, like beer. Yeah, two like percent to eight percent generally. Yeah, and and so what this is 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 the fermented uh, sugars from the agave that have not been distilled, and the sugars have never been cooked. Yeah, no, it's just. Uh, I mean, there's like the easy way to describe this is you have the agave, you take the middle out, you take out the tender leaves of the middle. And there's going to be a natural hollow, a natural vessel that's going to form there. And when you say the middle, you mean like the heart of the agave. The heart of the agave, exactly. Yeah. And then you empty that and you just give it a little bit of time and it's going to start filling with the sap. 
And uh, then someone's going to go there with this tool, which you have some great pictures of this last time we were uh, <laughs> out there looking for a pulque. They suck it up into that. Like a long gourd. It's a long gourd looking a long thing. Gourd. But you can see pictures on the website. Yeah, it's going to be a pain to describe that. And then you scratch a little bit of the inside again. And uh, that's going to allow for more sap, more sap to be forming. And you do that till the end of times. If you uh, scratch a little bit of my insides, a little sap will form as well. Yes. So, <laughs> so one one day I'm driving um, I'm driving back from Oaxaca to Mexico City, uh, and I'm feeling relaxed and like I have all the time in the world, and I uh, I jump off to grab a taco at one of these little uh, 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 truck stops off of the toll road, um, but it's one that's set back. And so I was un- – I didn't realize it, but once you get off to get a taco there, you can't get back on. So I was forced to take this back road winding through the pine forests outside of Mexico City. Uh, and then suddenly I start seeing all of these giant agaves slowly coming uh, <laughs> into sight. And it, at first it's one and then it's a, like a two or three and then it's five. And all of a sudden to my left – there's this beautiful field of giant pulque-looking agaves. So I, I found myself with this beautiful pulqueria. Are you sure it was a pulqueria? Did it have sawdust on the floor? No. Like, what? Did, did it say pulqueria there? Why are you calling this place a pulqueria? Because I'm a gringo, and I'm allowed to call it a pulqueria. I'm pretty sure. What is it? What? What is it, Java? What do you call it? So well, if I'm drinking mezcal in a mezcaleria, it's made at a... Palenque. Or if you're... Or a Venata or a Taberna, right? Depending where you are. And because okay. you took me here, I was fortunate enough for you to take me to this wonderful place. To my my secret place, my special place. Yes, full of uh, agua miel and pulque. And it's called a tinacal, which is, again, just the difference between drinking mezcal in a mezcaleria, where you can drink it, but they don't make it there, or mezcal in a palenque. Where I like Tina Cal. Tina Cal sounds like somebody I went to high school with. Really? Yeah, my friend Tina. Tina Cal. Tina, oh, like that's the easy way to remember. Tina. Tina Cal. Tina. Okay. Yeah. Tina. Yeah. yeah I thought it was going to be a little bit more obscure, but I'm happy it was just Tina. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think Tina. Tina refers to a. Uh, like a bathtub. Oh and- God, that makes so much <laughs> sense. Yes, and that's what they ferment in. Yes. So you, yeah, you saw that those massive bathtub-looking things. That's and that's where they ferment. So what's the cow come from? The what? Tina cow. Tina what's cow? the cow? Yeah, what's the cow, cow well, part? I, I, I'm no expert in linguistics, but maybe it's just to make it a little bit more beautiful, more catchy, more. Isn't uh, the cow something that you use when you're nixtamalizing uh, corn? Yeah, lie. Yeah, but that's no cow. It's uh, again, I'm not a linguistic uh, expert. <laughs> okay, so no. Uh, no. Uh, I should just drop this line of thinking because it has no relevance in it where we're in no, uh, yeah, time. Exactly. So let, let's move on. Okay. And okay. Uh, so you find yourself in a tinacal and what did you do? What did you order? Like I, I – I, You know what? Like as we're having the uh, the issue in, in verbiage here, uh, I ordered what I thought was pulque, but they were telling me it was agua miel. What the hell's the difference? Well, I think that that's uh, a very common – like I, I grew up in Mexico City, right? And in the center of Mexico – you will ever rarely see aguamiel, which is translation, it's honey water. But when I moved to Oaxaca, I I was struggling to find pulque, but finding aguamiel everywhere. 
And I, 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 I thought that was really interesting. And this was part of the interview we had with Luis, the big boss of the Tinacal, where we stopped for uh, some good 10 liters of pulque that we later drank uh, the week afterwards. So why don't we then jump into the interview with him? Do it. The main difference is that aguamiel is directly produced by the agave, while pulque is that same aguamiel after it has been fermented. Usually the aguamiel that you pick up in the morning will become pulque by the afternoon. Depending on the weather, it might take up to the next day to be ready. Here we have many different species of agaves. That one over there is manso, this one is chalqueño. We also have ayoteco, cenizo, maguey negro, chimneys. We have so many different species, and they all produce aguamiel to make pulque. They'll have their own flavor too. Some agaves are sweeter than others, and we mix their different aguamieles depending on how sweet we want our pulque to be. Okay, thank you for that, Maestro. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I get it. I get that uh, aguamiel is lightly fermented and pulque is more heavily fermented. I get that the that aguamiel is sweeter and it's less viscous, whereas the pulque can be more sour and uh, it's very thick, almost ropey. Um, what I don't get is who gets to decide, is this, is this aguamiel? Or is this pulque? It's a continuum, right? It's not like you have one or the other because the aguamiel, if you just leave it long enough, is eventually going to become the pulque. Who gets to decide? Because I want to say I love pulque and I got a feeling I'm not allowed to. Well, first of all, you haven't been working in Atinacal for decades and you have not had a lot of credentials with this one, John Blue. That's fair. But I think something that happened to me in Japan uh, sort of resumes this in a, in a very good way. I was there with my brother and we went to this sushi place where after a certain hour they will do a 50% discount saying that the <laughs> fish was not fresh uh, enough or it, it was not at its best so so basically it was it goes from sushi to bait is that correct from sushi to bait or for yeah like if, if you consider us poor customers bait, uh, hungry fishes yes sort of <laughs> <laughs> But it, I, I do. I yeah, like but that. it gets fifty percent discount, which is very generous when you're buying some toro or some delicious, you know, tuna stuff. And we came to the lady because we wanted to know the exact hour where that happened to get access <laughs> to the best stuff. So we go to her. It's like, hey, hey, uh, at what time do you make the transition? And she says, when master says. So it's when masters. Yeah, they were like, okay, like we we thought she was mocking us, but then we thought about it a little bit, and we thought about how that works in in Palenques, in Tinacales, and all these places. It's uh, whenever the master says so, and it's also it's very linked to the taste buds of the community where that is happening. Oh God! Oh, that's an interesting way to put that. Okay, so I'll I'll accept that. I'm going to keep saying that I really do love pulque, um, especially since you said that we bought a bunch of pulque, because now I can say that you, who is Mexican, uh, said that what I loved drinking was pulque. Well, actually, I loved your take on this one, because you did buy half of aguamiel and half of pulque, mm -hmm. and then mixed them together. And I have to yeah. claim that that's been one of the... M 
most interesting ensembles of anything that I've ever had in my life <laughs> because you kept the sparkling of the agua miel and the sweetness and the refreshment then with the heavier body of the pulque and it was just perfect. So you, I think that makes that makes me a master. Well, I think that you can name that thing after <laughs> you if you want, if you wish. I wouldn't give you the title of master still. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. It's like an Arnold Palmer of pulque. I like that. I have no idea who that guy is. It's okay. Old people will understand the joke. Uh, so, you know, you said ensemble, which also uh, brings to mind the other thing that Luis mentioned, which is that like, when you, when I think of pulque, I don't think of all the different agaves that you can use to make pulque. But, you know, that's that's what we drink is all of these different agave spirits made from different agaves and they have different flavors so it's got to be the same thing here i like right this is what he's talking about yeah and he was and he was saying that i was stupid enough to say like no like another guy that was with us asked like are all these salmianas or something like that and i was like no they're all pulqueros like shut up and then the guy, luis says like no 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 no. there's different species that's a manso that's this one so yeah and if you remember something he said manso did he say manso he did say manso yeah oh manso suayo yeah that that's i've got i've got a bottle of that oh man that's just fascinating that's from michoacan yeah 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 yeah. god so so that makes me really want to have a tasting side-by-side tasting of pulques made from these different agaves right that'll be such a delicious idea and i think we need to really jump into this like we need to open this we're finishing this episode right now and i don't think we can really delve into the richness that pulque has to offer us but I, i i would love to travel more to ask more questions about this yeah, you know, so let's let's plan on that once we get out of this whole uh quarantine. Um let's let's I'm going to come down to Mexico City and we're going to arrange to do a tasting, side-by-side tasting of pulques with Luis um from the different species. Uh and then we'll also just do some more traveling and talking about pulque cuz I really do find it fascinating and delicious. Let's do that. Okay. Adios. <laughs> Oh, wow! Whoa, Chapa, oh, are you all right? No, are you all right? Oh, no, Luke, my back hurts. This is why we buckle ourselves in, brother. It's why we buckle ourselves in. Sometimes there are accidents, and we made two accidents in this episode. They were terrible. I can't believe we made such mistakes. It's okay. It's okay. This is the world that we have brought ourselves into. When you dive into the world of agave spirits, you are going to make mistakes. The important thing is you correct them, Chava. Or you try to correct them. And you get help of your road trippers to correct them if they catch us on (laughs) making any mistakes, right? Yes. So let's do this. Let's, Let's catch our breaths. Let's go to a commercial break. Catch our breaths. Take the airbag out of this vehicle. And then we'll explain the errors and correct the errors. Thanks, Lou. My conscience is now tranquil. This episode of Agave Road Trip has been brought to you courtesy of our friends at Sombra Mezcal. Chava, you used to work at Sombra. Tell me something about the artisanal process they use to make their mezcal. Well, you know, Lou, a lot of the brands talk about, like, I've been making this mezcal for the last 500 years the same way, and it's been like 25 family generations. 
But then what happens when you want to shift and do something contemporary way without losing all that beauty that it's embedded in the traditional process? What do you do, Lou? What, what would you be your take on it? What I would do is I'd hire you to figure out how to, to scale everything up in a traditional way. <laughs> well, you will hire me and a bunch of other people and put together all that expertise and still keep, you know, the limestone meal agave, have direct fire, have the tapada, traditional tapada, which is roasting the gabe under earth, but all of this tweaked in a contemporary way with the best technology you can have at hand. And this is what these guys did. And I and I think it's the only brand in the whole mezcal world right now that it's doing such a such an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. In terms of scaling up to make a a, a lot of mezcal in a beautiful traditional way. Don't ruin it. Take the best of the tradition and mix it with the best of contemporary technology. Amen. So if you want to check it out for yourselves, go to sombramescal.com. You can even order a bottle from their website and have it delivered to your home. So thank you very much, Sombra Mescal. Thank you very much, Road Trippers. And we'll catch you next episode. Awesome. Adios. Okay. Okay, Java. You feeling better now? You good? Full recovery. Full recovery. Okay. So, uh, before the commercial break, we got into our first, I think, our first car accident, which is what is going to happen every time after we've recorded an episode, we find an error, and we want to go back and correct it. Yes. Uh, in the best of contemporary tr- political traditions, fact-checking. <laughs> fact-checking, yes. <laughs> we drove off the road. So uh, two things that we need to clarify from the episode that everybody just listened to. One is... The pulquero, the guy who made the pulque, right? Pulquero? Yeah, maestro pulquero. Yeah, yeah. I, I can yeah, live yeah. with that. Yes. His name's not Luis. His name is Jose Luis Dominguez Gonzalez. Eh? Good pronunciation? Great pronunciation. <sighs> Grand. Love it, Lou. So on the website for that episode, you'll find a link to uh, to Rancho, uh, oh, what is it called? Rancho Loma Ancha. Rancho Loma Ancha. Yes. Um, if you visit, don't call him Luis. And don't tell him what we called him Luis. Tell him, <laughs> greet him, <laughs> greet him as uh, Jose Luis or just simply Maestro. Yes. Respect, guys. Yeah. So the other thing is we were talking about how the Tinacao, the place where they make pulque, how it got its name. Yes. And what we said was that Tina refers to the containers, the vats, where you ferment the, the pulque. <laughs> the vats with a V, V-A-T-S. Yeah, like uh, we Mexicans don't make a differentiation between your V and your V. I have no idea how to make that. But anyways, the containers where you ferment the pulque. And then Blue was inquiring about the last part of the word, which is cal, yeah. tinacal. And he was like, cal refers to lie because cal is lie in Spanish. It's like, no, I had no idea. So I decided to go in and check a certifiable source, LaRousse Dictionary, which in loose imagination, it's, uh, what did you say? The French Gastronomical Dictionary? Well, yeah. So that's what I know it as here in Chicago is the LaRousse Dictionary. Everybody knows it. If, you, if, you're, in, if you're into gastronomy, if you like to cook stuff, um, like seriously like to cook stuff, you probably have a copy of LaRousse in your, your library. Well, there was a dictionary I was checking my Spanish words when I was in elementary school. So a lot less fancy in my experience. But what it says, it's uh, that cal comes from the word cali in Nahuatl, which is indigenous language of Mexico, that refers to house. So technically, 
Chinakal means the house of the containers, the house of the bats. The bats with go. the V. <laughs> the bats with the V. Not, not the bats with the V. That would be Bruce Wayne's stately mansion. If Bruce Wayne had had Pulque in his mansion, I would have been a huge fan from day one. <laughs> Unfortunately, he didn't, and I didn't get to care about him. Very much. Okay, so I think this is a real wrap to the episode now, Chava. Though, it could be a year from now, we listen to it, we find something else that was wrong, and we get in another car wreck. Yes, and road trippers, if you find any mistake, as tiny as it can be, and even if you suspect a mistake, please let us know. We'll do the proper research, and we'll try to correct <laughs> ourselves as much as possible. Well, when you say proper research, you mean our version of proper. No, no, no. I'm saying going to specialized journals, ask the ultimate specialist <laughs> around this. There you go. Okay, Java. It's been a pleasure getting into a car accident with you. And I look forward to the next episode. Adiosito. Hang on, road trippers. We're not done yet. We've got an episode of Chava and Lou's Chat Fest coming up. So welcome, road trippers, to Chava's and Lou's... <laughs> you don't you don't even know how to say it. No. I don't think it should be your chat fest if you don't know how to say it. Oh, how do you say it? Chavez and Lou? Chava and Lou's chat fest. Okay, yeah. yeah you're the presentator. You got the voice for that, Lou. I, whatever. So you were going to tell me. To, you want me to announce it? It already happened. I don't, like, I don't care anymore. Okay. So you're going to tell a story, please. Yes. We heard about your uh, professional career, so to speak, singing for a punk band. I, I also sang, not, not professionally, but publicly, <laughs> publicly. So when I worked at Marvel Comics back in the, the late eighties, early nineties, uh, we used to take our distributors from all across the, the U S and Canada used to take our distributors off for a week of meetings in different exotic places. And for some reason, uh, one time we chose Montreal, Canada. That's the and least exotic thing you can tell me like that's <laughs> I know. And it was winter. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what we were thinking, but, um, you know, I was the youngest person in the sales department. And so uh, the the woman in charge, Carol Kalish, put me in charge of entertaining um, the the young people, so to speak, <laughs> after the day. Like we would have different things. She'd take people to dinner. There was somebody else. I don't know. To, like took them to read books. I don't know. But it was my job to be entertaining for for the young people. But it turned out that like a lot of the even the old people wanted to come with. So I'm <laughs> I'm like 22 years old. Okay. So what, what did you the, call the old people? Like how 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 old were you? I called them Ivan and Irene. Like they they must have been. Oh God, I'm guessing now, but they must have been like mid forties. So younger than what you are 50s. now, and you were calling them old. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Um. So I I didn't know what to do to entertain them. I figured, well, I'm gonna take them out to drink. So we went to this bar in the university district and we got one long table in the back of this like just giant room that was sort of like a lunchroom style thing had to have been a couple few hundred people live band playing way at the front we're way in the back long table i'm at one end and this big burly canadian friend of mine brian morton is sitting opposite me at this long table and then just people 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 all along the sides right i tell the bartender i'm sorry i tell the wait staff hey Use me as a gauge. I want you to bring shots of tequila out for everybody. And when I'm empty, everybody gets another round. And just keep doing that until it looks like I can't finish any more tequila. 
And then I like I saw on their menu that for dessert they had rice pudding. So I said, bring rice pudding out for everyone once I can't have any more tequila. <laughs> okay. So the tequila comes out and we start drinking, start drinking. And uh uh and 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 at some point, of course, because it's winter and I, I had to have been like 12 shots in. It's time for the rice pudding. <laughs> and they bring out the rice pudding in these giant cereal-sized bowls. There's just like a little bit of rice pudding in each one, but cereal-sized bowls because apparently they, they weren't used to 13 people ordering <laughs> rice pudding all at the same time, right? <laughs> and so uh, uh, so I'm eating it, and then Brian Morton, my big, burly Canadian friend, is eating the rice pudding, and no one else is touching it. No one else is touching rice pudding. So he notices, I notice, and he starts grabbing the bowls of people around him and he's filling his giant cereal bowl up. So I start doing the same. And he says, Lou, I will bet you $20, $20 Canadian <laughs> that I can finish my bowl of rice pudding before you can finish yours. And I say, Brian, I will accept your bet, but I will not bet you money. I will bet you pride. And he says, what do you mean? Well, what I mean, Brian, is when I finish my bowl of rice pudding first, and I will, you have to take your shirt off, run around the inside of this bar three times, screaming that Mick Jagger is your God. And he says, okay, Lou, I think I get it. So when I finish my bowl of rice pudding first, and I will, you have to get on stage and sing with the band. Now, again, live band playing, and they've been playing throughout this whole evening, right, up at the front of the stage. So at this time, this is 1988, roughly, 88, 89, at that time, uh, you're too young to know this, young Chava. Well, it was it was but, one year before I was born, 1988. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, so at that time, the hottest band in the college circuit was this group called They Might Be Giants. And as it happened, I actually knew they might be giants. There's a, a longer story to explain that, but I'd hang out with them. I knew them. And I thought, okay, if something happens and I lose this bet, I can at least pretend to be they might be giant. So sure enough, Brian like basically puts the bowl in his mouth, turns it upside down. It's done. I'm like, I'm spitting. There's just I, like, I, I, have, I, I lose the bet. Five minutes goes by and Brian's like, come on, Lou, when you're fulfilling your obligation. Ten minutes, Lou, come on. I thought you were going to be a man about this. Fifteen minutes and he's starting to get really pissed. Like, you know, hey, this could be an international incident. 20 minutes, and he's really angry. The band stops playing. The woman singing lead jumps down off the stage, walks all the way across the room directly back to me and says, hey, would you like to sing with the band? Whoa. Now, what, what, what nobody noticed was I had written John Linnell, They Might Be Giants, on a piece of paper, right, and given it to the waiter and said, could you give this to the singer and let her know I'm back here? So then they, and so, so nobody understands the, in the group with me that this is going on. They take me backstage um, and they tell me how much they love my new video, which is funny because I look nothing like either of the guys and they might be giants. And they ask me if I'd like to sing. And of course I say, I'd love to. And, and, uh, and I say, do you know any of my songs? Hoping they don't. Cause I only know like two or three of my songs. And, uh, and, and, and so they say, well, we don't, but how about we sing this cars song? Um, I, say, I don't mind you coming here and wasting all my time, time. That song, you know that song? I have no idea, but okay, sure. Of course you don't. It's the cars <laughs> and you're, yeah. So they, they get up on stage and again, this is, this is in the university district. So it's all college students. Shit. And she gets on stage 
and and they might be giants is the biggest act, like literally number one on the college circuit at that point. She gets on stage and says, I've got a surprise for you all tonight. We've got a special guest. We've got John Linnell from They Might Be Giants. And everyone starts screaming. And my customers have all like gotten up to the stage trying to figure out what is going on. And they're <laughs> laughing hysterically as everybody else in the room is just going nuts. So I get up on the stage and they start playing the first do, 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 do. Like they're playing the song, right? And like my reference point is entirely MTV. So I'm holding the mic like far away from me, the way they would in an MTV video. Luke. As they start singing, I don't mind you coming here. And right then, the singer knew that I was messing with her. And she just looks at me and she points to the mic and points to her mouth and just gives me this foul look. And I, so I go, oh, okay, wasted all my time, time. I got the mic up to my mouth now. But nobody can hear me because everybody is screaming. Everybody <laughs> is screaming. I jump down off the stage and I run out the door at the end of the song. Women are throwing phone numbers and underwear at me. <laughs> and you're saying this was not all in your imagination. This actually happened. In fact, I've got evidence. I had forgotten um, that I didn't forget the story, but Brian Morton is one of my friends on Facebook. And when he saw that, uh, that there was a theme song to this podcast, he asked me, hey, are you singing that? And I was like, I, I don't sing. And he says, oh, yes, you do. <laughs> oh, Brian. So Brian will absolutely uh, vouch for it as well. There had to be two or three people I'm still in touch with who were there, but definitely Brian Morton. Okay, so we have witnesses or or some sort of of uh, third party peer reviewed <laughs> system that we can uh, go to. Absolutely do. <laughs> so I think we better wrap this up. That was a long chat fest job. That was a very long one. It's not always going to be this long, so or maybe it's going to be. So we enjoy don't... the long ones while <laughs> <Yeah>. you can. <laughs> anyway, so thank you for being with us, road trippers. Catch you next time. Adios. Hasta pronto. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.